Amen. Please remain standing. Take your Bible together with me and turn to our first scripture reading this morning, Psalm 41. It is taken from Psalm 41, verse 8 to 13. Those of you who are using the church Bible, you will find it on page 595. Psalm 41, beginning from verse 8 to 13. The psalmist here is speaking about um, friendship and um, that it is possible uh, that betrayal uh, would happen in uh, our friendship with other people. Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who, are my, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me, and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity or confession and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Now turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Verse, uh, beginning from verse 43 to 52. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. When he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple. Teaching, and he did not seize me. But let the scripture be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. The word of God, and let's ask the Lord to teach us by his word. Let's pray. 
Our gracious and heavenly Father, as we now bring ourselves by your grace to the hearing of your word, our desire is to be like that plant in someone. That plant that was planted by the streams, by the stream, streaming of water. That uh, gets its supplies from the riches of your word, your law. And yields its fruit, and its leaf never wither. Make us like that tree, as we now hear the preaching of your word. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Benedict Arnold was a hero, American military general. Until in 1780, he betrayed his country, America, with a plot to surrender West Point to the British. After that treacherous act of treason, the name Benedict Arnold became synonymous with the word traitor. Today, no one in America would call his son Benedict the name that represents betrayal. Judah's story, beloved, is somewhat similar to that of Benedict Arnold. Except Judas, Judas' act of betrayal was the worst of its kind. Because it was an act of betrayal against Jesus Christ. The Messiah who came to the world to give eternal life to undeserving sinners like you and I. You know, in the same way today, people don't call their sons Judas, the name associated with betrayal. In fact, in biblical times, after, Je after Judas betrayed Jesus, people in that time changed the name Judas that they gave to their children to the name Jude. They hated the name Judas because of what it presented. And what does Judas' ultimate betrayal of Jesus Christ and all the things that surrounds his betrayal Teach us as God's people. What do you learn from Judas' betrayal of Jesus? It teaches us that our Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, accomplished our salvation being betrayed by one of his closest disciples. 
Not only that Jesus, our Savior, fulfilled the work of redemption, your salvation, at the time that everyone, all his followers, abandoned him. There's one more thing that Judas' betrayal teaches us. Judas' betrayal teaches us the fact that the kingdom of God will, will never be advanced here on earth by the power of the sword. But it will be advanced by the power of the preaching of the gospel and through faith in Jesus Christ alone. By God's grace, this morning I want us to discover that truth under three main points from our text. First, I want us to consider the disturbing betrayal of Judas. It should disturb our heart. It should warn us. The disturbing betrayal of Judas. And we'll find that in verse 43 to 46. And then the impulsive response of a disciple in verses 47 and 49. And then I also want us to consider as our third point this morning the steadfastness of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ in verse 50 to 52. So first, consider with me the disturbing betrayal of Judas. First, let me refresh your mind with how we got here. Remember, Jesus is, was in the upper room. He was instructing, teaching his disciples. And you all would remember that Jesus introduced the first and the new Lord's Supper. He partook, partook, partook the Lord's Supper together with his disciples. And as they were eating and drinking the Lord's Supper, he revealed to them that one of them, one of his disciples, will betray him. Jesus told them, one who is, who is uh, dipping into the, you know, the, the dish that we all are eating from will betray me, will hand me over to my enemies. In fact, in John chapter 13, he looked at Judas and he said to Judas, what you are going to do, do quickly. Nobody understood that except Jesus and Judas. No one saw that coming. But Jesus was very plain. He told Judas, what you are going to do, do quickly. Then Jesus and his 11 disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where our Lord Jesus Christ endured a deep sorrow and distress because of the cup of sin and the cup that was filled with the wrath of his Father. The sorrow and the pain was because Jesus was embracing sin for the first time in his life on behalf of sinners, on behalf of the children of God. And then he also taught his disciples to watch and pray. 
Jesus said to them, watch and pray so that you would not enter into temptation. So that's where we left it last Sunday. I just want to tell you how we got here. Now, in uh, verse, uh, verse 43, and immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. See, Jesus was speaking to the disciples, and he saw Judas and the crowd, you know, the, 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 the mob, being led by Judas, coming toward them. And Mark uses this statement, Judas came one of the twelve. Now, first, you need to know that Judas knew where Jesus and his disciples were. Judas knew that Jesus and his disciples would go to the garden often to pray and uh, rest. In John 18.2, John tells us, Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So he knew where Jesus was. He knew where Jesus and his disciples were. Let me ask you this. Why do you think Mark introduces us to Judas again as one of the twelve? We already know that. Do we really need to know who Judas is? Yes, he is one of the twelve. But why is Mark emphasizing the fact that he was one of the twelve? Do you know why Mark is doing that? Mark is doing that because he wants us to face this uncomfortable fact that the one who betrayed Jesus was one of his companions, one of his disciples. It was his friend, one who went to the temple with him. One whose feet Jesus washed. One Jesus trusted him with the bag, with the money that they used for the work of the kingdom of God. Mark wanted us to feel the horror of this moment. Mark wants us to ask ourselves to examine our own life. Am I like Judas? Am I here as a fake Christian, as a fake believer and worshiper? Do I love Jesus? You see, Judas is here in the scripture to warn us. Jesus was betrayed not by his enemy, but by his friend. Psalm 41, 9. You see, you find this prophecy. Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. My friend, who ate the bread with me, stood against me. 
You see, the fact that Jesus experienced the, the reality of betrayal from one of his closest friends and companions speaks to all of us who have experienced the painful reality of betrayal. You know, a sanctuary filled by this number of people, I am sure some of you here have experienced betrayal from husband, from, wi from a wife, from a family member, from a child. Do you know what this teaches you? There is one. His name is Jesus. There is one. Jesus, the Son of God, feels and understands your pain because he has been there. He was also betrayed. He feels what he feels. He understands your pain. You see, you can run to Jesus. If you have that pain in your life, run to Jesus. He knows how to minister to you. Isn't that what Hebrews 4.15 tells us? One who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. But this is the amazing declaration of the gospel, beloved. He was betrayed so that you and I would never be forsaken from the steadfast and unfailing Love of God. Do you know Jesus, through this betrayal, fulfilled your salvation and my salvation? It's amazing. But the fact remains that he was betrayed by one of his companions. Now notice how Judas carried out his betrayal. In verse 43, and immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. Beloved, this was his moment. It was dark. And what Judas was doing was the work of darkness. You see, those who are wicked and uh, perform um, an act of wickedness, they do it at night. They don't do it in daytime. This is the work of darkness. In fact, look in... Uh, Luke 22:53 calls this, this uh, part of the day the hour and the power of darkness. The devil was involved here. How do we know that? Luke 22:3. Then Satan entered into Judas, called it as Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. Now listen, when people hear this, this verse, this statement all the time, and uh, Satan entered into 
the heart of Judah. Every time people hear, not all the people, but some people, they always say it was very unfortunate. Satan managed to enter into the heart of Judas, and poor Judas couldn't overcome that temptation, and he betrayed his Savior. You know, what, what can Judas do? You know, he was not protected. Yeah, the, the devil, Satan, entered into his heart. Listen, you need to know this. Satan entering the heart of Judas was not an invasion. It was a personal invitation of Judas to become the instrument of Satan, to betray, to, to perform that ultimate betrayal. Of the Son of God. He was not forced to do that. You need to remember a couple of things here. It was Judas himself, he took the initiative to go to the priests in Israel and had a deal with them. Judas took the initiative. No one forced him. He was wicked from the beginning. He didn't love Jesus, he didn't believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He sold Jesus with the price of a slave in Israel. 30 pieces of silver. It was the price of a slave in Israel. Not only that, you also should, should, should not forget that Judas was not a true disciple. Never believed in Jesus. He never loved Jesus. In John 17, 12, Jesus himself said, While I was with them... I kept them in your name. The son was speaking to his father. I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Who is the son of destruction? Judas. From the get-go, Judas was not a true believer, a true confessor, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the proof of this was, beloved Judas, using a kiss as a means of his betrayal of Jesus. You see, kissing someone on the cheek in the ancient times was an expression of affection, respect, and honor. You see what Judas was doing? He took this kiss, an expression of affection, and turns it into an act of ultimate betrayal. In Psalm 55, the psalmist says, for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throne with all the people in the temple. You. You, my friend, you, my companion, betrayed me. 
Very interesting. In Proverbs 27, 6, the wise king said, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's exactly what Judas was doing. He was kissing Jesus. In fact, Jesus told him, if you remember, Judas, so you are betraying the Son of God with a kiss. Is that what's going on? Is that what you're doing, Judas? Jesus said that to Judas. So you are betraying me, the Son of God, Son of Man, with a kiss. My friends, if you have kissed Jesus by faith, was your kiss a true and genuine kiss? You see, it is possible for people to betray Jesus even today. It is possible for you to betray Jesus. And then prove that you hate him. You never believed in him. You never loved him. You remember Jesus telling everyone around him in Matthew chapter 7. Many will come to me, Jesus said. And they will say, Lord, Lord. You see the, the words of affection. Love and trust. Lord, Lord, we casted out demons in your name. We did this and that. And Jesus said, and I will say to them, go away from me. I never knew you. The question, my beloved, is does Jesus know you? Does he know you? Are you one of his sheep? How do we know we don't betray him? How do we know we love him? How do we know we obey him? Jesus said, if you really, really love me, you will keep my commandments. You kiss me with a kiss. That is true and genuine. In Psalm 2, 10 and 12, the psalmist says, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Now listen to this. Kiss the Son. Same kiss. But true, genuine, saving kiss. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So I ask you this morning, beloved, once again, if you have kissed the Son of God by faith, was that faith true and saving faith? Which means... You have repented of your sin. Which means you are trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation, in Jesus Christ alone. 
It means you hate sin. It means you are, you are obeying His commandments because He saved you, because He loved you. I want us to examine our kiss. Is it true? Can you be Judas? If you don't want to be Judas, kiss the Son of God by saving faith. Deny yourself. Do not rely on yourself for your salvation, but in Him, in Him alone. Secondly, the impulsive response of a disciple. Listen to what Mark reveals to us here. And when he came... He went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now Mark doesn't identify the person who took uh, the sword and cut off the ear of the servants, uh, one of the servants of the high priest. But uh, you would tell who that disciple is. In fact, Matthew tells us that it was, John tells us that it was Peter in John 18, 10. Then Peter, Simon, have a sword and he drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. This was the servant of the high priest uh, Caiaphas in Israel. Now why do you think Peter did this? You know, many of us, we become very hard on Peter sometimes. But what caused Peter, Peter to take his, his sword and cut off the ear of uh, the servant, servant of the high priest. In John chapter 18, we see something interesting happening between Jesus and his enemies. John 18, starting from verse 3. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from chief priests and the Pharisees went there with letterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Now listen to this. Jesus said to them, I am he. In Greek, it means ego, emi. I am, the great I am. And then they fall on the ground. That's what happened. The moment he said, I am who exists, the great I am, they fall on the ground. And Peter thought, the fight has begun. So I should pick up my sword, and just kill them. You see, all of them assumed 
that Jesus will either fight or escape. That's why they brought the soldiers. These were not only high priests, but they had about 600 Roman soldiers with them. You need to know that. The assumption was this man will either fight or he will try to escape. So we should go to him, you know, being prepared. And Peter assumed, you see, same assumption. Even his disciples, they never understood who Jesus was. They didn't get it completely. So he took his sword and cut off the ear of the servant. And Jesus told him, Peter, stop. Put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by a sword. That's capital punishment. Jesus was advocating for capital punishment. We, we see that in Genesis 9, 6. Uh, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood Shed, for God made man in his own image. Two observations, beloved. One, Jesus was teaching Peter and all of them and all of us that the kingdom of God will not be advanced in this world by the power of the sword. It's not Islam. Christianity will advance by the preaching of the gospel and through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That was the lesson. But the second observation is the fact that Jesus touched the servant and he healed him. Jesus healed the servant who came to the garden to arrest him, to take him to the Romans, to be executed. Jesus showed mercy to whom? To his enemy. Jesus showed mercy to whom? Jesus showed forgiveness to whom? To the one who never deserved his mercy and his forgiveness. That's grace. That's why Jesus, the Son of God, came to the world. Jesus was teaching his disciples and all of us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, do you think, even to Peter, do you think, that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions, a unit of you know, 3,000 to 6,000 angels and fight for me. What are these 600 soldiers before the angels of the Almighty? Nothing. But I, I didn't come to wage war against the flesh. But to die for sinners, to reconcile sinners with my Father. So Jesus said, no more, stop. And he showed mercy to his enemy. 
how do you treat your enemy? How do you respond to your enemy? How do you respond to the person who betrayed you? Isn't, isn't this amazing? At his worst moment, Jesus, his best came out. What comes out from you in a worst moment? Does your worst come out or your best? We all need to learn from Jesus. And lastly, the steadfastness of the Savior. Listen to Mark here, what he reveals to us. And Jesus said to them, verse 50, sorry, and they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Verse 50, they all left him. Peter left him, brothers and sisters in Christ. So do the other disciples. All of them left him. All of them abandoned him. He already told them that. He knew that was coming. He told them to watch and pray. They didn't watch and pray, so they left him. That's the danger of self-reliance. Today, everywhere you go, you hear, believe in yourself, and you can do whatever you want to do. Self-reliance doesn't work in the Christian life. We rely on Christ. We rely on the strength that he gives us. Though it is us who obey. It is us who please God. It is us who does his will in the Christian life. But we do that relying on the grace of God. On the Holy Spirit. Not our own strengths. Proverbs 3, 5, 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. Be not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Oh, beloved, if we can only be humble and listen to Jesus, when it comes to humility in the Christian life. Relying on Christ, Paul in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through my strength? No. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But he strengthens us to do things. Do we do things? Yes, we do. But we do everything that we do to please God by the strength that he gives to us. That's why Jesus told his disciples and all of us watch and pray, use the means of grace. It is through prayer that I strengthen you. To do all things 
according to God's will. But then Mark concludes this portion of the Gospel of Mark by telling us this story, a very strange story about a young man who fled the sin being naked. Why is he here? First of all, we don't know who this young man is. There is always speculation. You have heard that before. Oh, this was Mark. We don't know. We don't know whether it was Mark or some other disciple. We don't know. This man came to see Jesus, to see what was happening. But why is this young man here? What is Jesus teaching us in his word? Two things. One, the Gospel of Mark, by telling you a story of this young man who fled the sin naked, the Gospel of Mark is telling you when Jesus died for you, when Jesus suffered for you, no one was with him. All left him. He was abandoned by all of us, but he never abandoned us. He did it alone. That's the first lesson you need to learn. This is the Savior who loved you at the time that you abandoned him. This is the Savior that he died for you on the cross while you were still a sinner. What about the nakedness? What does that, touch, that teach you? Well, the Bible speaks about that in Amos, in Amos 3, 2, 16. And he who is stout or strong of heart among the mighty... shall flee away naked. Did you hear that? Anyone who, who thinks, you know, in the Christian life, that he's mighty, that she's mighty, oh, Jesus saved me, the rest I will do it. I am mighty. I have this, this strength. I'm strong. You will flee naked unless you abide in Christ and his word and his grace and his spirit. When Adam and Eve were in the garden before the fall, they were naked, but there was no shame. Then the fall came, then they became shamed because they knew they saw that they were naked, and God covered their nakedness. Without Christ, apart from Christ, you are naked. My friend, you are naked. You need the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your life. You need the gift of righteousness, not your own righteousness, but the righteousness of the Son of God. Paul, in Galatians chapter 3, tells us that the righteousness that we receive by faith and as a gift. 
without that, that righteousness, we will flee. We will run away naked. I want to encourage all of you this afternoon to go home and reflect on these two things. To remember the privilege that Judas had with Jesus and what he embraced at the end. The privilege and what he embraced at the end. Eternal destruction. Beloved, if you, are no, if you are not yet a believer in Christ Jesus, come to Jesus, run to Jesus. Don't run away from him. Be naked, but run to him. And he will dress you with the dress of righteousness as a gift and receive it by faith. And those of us who have been working with the Lord for Many, many years for a long time. Remember this. Remember this. Keep relying on Jesus. If not, when that temptation comes, you will also flee, be naked. So cling to Jesus by faith. Rely on him as you walk the journey of the Christian life by God's grace. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, for the gift of righteousness. Oh Lord, we pray that you would give us all the humility and the willingness that each and every one of us need in our Christian life this afternoon to heed the warning of your word, the instruction of your word. Help us not to be like Judas, but help us to be like the other disciples, though they failed, but they repented. They were in tears, and you restored them, and you used them for your kingdom so mightily. So use us in that way. Strengthen us by the power of the Holy Spirit and help us not to rely on the flesh but on the Spirit of God. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.